Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to podcast number 26. Yeah, wow. This is Aaron. And this is Shannon. And we're here to talk about all things book. Yes, we are. Thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. We have no listener mail to report this week on what people have been reading, but um, we do want to talk about what we've been reading. And also, our homework for this month, which I think we're both on board about. Neither one <laughs> of us enjoyed this book at all, I don't think. <laughs> so, fortunately, we're on the same page. Although, we understand perfectly if some of you listeners enjoyed it, uh, because everyone, you know, we all have different tastes. And you just get to hear ours. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I guess I'll start with what I've read this month. I read uh, several books I'm trying to read only Audible books this month. Fortunately or unfortunately, I broke the mold with the uh, uh, homework for this month. I read it uh, using the Bard version. Um, I'm so glad I did not waste a credit on that, but more about that later. For Audible, um, there was one book that I was reading at the end of August, and I liked it so much that I went out and purchased it with my August credit that was burning a hole in my in my account, not being used. This book was called A Turn of Light by Julie Chernida, C-Z-E-R-N-E-D-A, I believe. Um, and I, before I bought it, I went out and looked at the reviews. I'm like, do I want this book? Because when I buy books, I usually want them to be books that I'm going to go back to. And I mean, you know, I've spent money on this book. It's going to be something I'm going to want to reread in the future or something. It's got to be it's got to have a really good review. Um, and I looked at the reviews both on Amazon and Audible for this, uh, especially if it's also available on Bard or somewhere else that I can get get it. Uh, buying it on Audible is, you know, sort of a step. So I went out and looked at it and some of the reviews were like, I hated this book. I thought it was horrible. Um, the main character is a spoiled brat and I just wanted to strangle her. I think actually that's what one reviewer wrote. Um However, despite the fact that it had some bad reviews, as all things do, um, I purchased it and was very glad that I did. Um, it was interesting because when I read the bad reviews, I kind of saw where the people were coming from a little bit. But I also saw that the characters in the book really grew and uh, developed as people. And so that was um, a really nice thing to see. This book was about a woman who, well, she's sort of like a girl turning into a woman young adult, basically, who um, decides that that she wants um, her best friend, who happens to be a dragon from this other dimension, to turn into a man and fall in love with her. And so, unbeknownst to her, she has the ability to use magic, and so she makes this happen, kind of without asking him first. Um which she realizes later on was a mistake. And uh, it's all about how everyone copes with this new person in this um, 
village that is populated mostly by uh, people who've been exiled out of this kingdom. It's kind of weird. There are, there are two or three people, th- there are two or three things going on at the same time. There's her uh, and her dragon friend getting used to his new shape. Um, there are some people who have exiled, have been exiled from this kingdom and how they cope with living in this village. The village itself has sort of a personality, which is kind of interesting. Um, and there are some other people who, you know, if it doesn't want you there, then after a while you're forced to leave because you have all these really strange dreams. Um, and some other people, you know, some other people actually decide to come and live there and how they're integrated into this very sort of close-knit community. Um, It sounds kind of strange, and it actually kind of, I mean, you know, you kind of have to get used to it. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the best things I read all year. Um, And it was some great world-building. I was very, uh, very impressed with her world-building in this book, unlike some of the other books I have read recently. Um, I had to abandon, but, um, it was wonderful. Uh, one of the books that I was not impressed by the world building in was, um, River of Stars. I had never read a book by Guy Gavriel Kay before, decided to give it a try. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last episode and really did not enjoy it. I had to abandon it. It was too much. It was, I mean, he acknowledges in the beginning of the book, he based it on this certain period in Chinese history. Um, And I happen to know a little bit about Chinese history, thanks to my undergraduate studies. For some reason, I took Chinese history. Don't ask me why. Um, But uh, it was like a little bit too similar for me to really enjoy it. There there weren't that many differences, or they weren't all that great. And so it was like, wow, um, can we be very not creative with our uh, world building here? Because it was a fantasy kingdom. I wouldn't have had a problem with it if it was actual historical fiction. Um, but it was a fantasy kingdom based on this period in history. And I was kind of like, eh, this is kind of boring because there's no world building. and It's supposed to be fantasy. So um, that one I was not impressed with. Um, another fantasy book that I thought was really fun uh, and I'm not really into urban fantasy, but I did enjoy this book. This was um, Dirty Magic by J. Wells, J-A-Y-E. Um, and it explores the fascinating scenario of being addicted to magic. <laughs> like, it's a drug. Um, a friend of mine was reading this book and said she had a real hard time with it because it explored the the um, world of addiction in such a sort of intimate, personal way. Um, And I decided to read it uh, just because the thought of that is really, that really fascinated me. So I did. And um, I really enjoyed it and decided to pick up the second book in the series. Uh, So I'm in the middle of that one right now. Um, But the the first book was, was really good. It's about a woman who was addicted to cooking magic, in other words, doing potions, um, and how she copes with her addiction and her sobriety. She's in this, what did they call it, arcane anonymous group or something, like for people who have problems with magic addiction. And um, her job is actually going out and catching criminals who use magic illegally, um, what they would call dirty magic. It's almost like, I almost think of it as like people who have meth labs, except for they have potion labs. And you have ingredients that you can use in potions legally, but then there are some that you can't. 
Mm. It was really kind of interesting. And so her job is to ferret out all these people. And, you know, her job takes her into having to manufacture um, illegal potions in order to save someone's life and how she copes with having to do that and her, you know, what she does and um, to deal with that. Uh, so it's very interesting. She's a police officer um, in the, what did they call it? Magic Enforcement Division or something? I don't know. It's kind of like the FBI, but for magic. And uh, so this is like the regular United States, but with magic. It's really interesting. Um, And for my cozy mystery, I read um, The Chocolate Chip Cookie Murder by Joanne Fluke. uh, Also an audible with a middle-aged Suzanne Torin doing the narration. Um, she was perfect for the book, although the main character is surprisingly younger. Um, it was, she still has this really nice sort of cozy voice, um, and I really enjoyed it. The reason I chose it is because, well, I watch Match Game a lot, and Joanne Fluke was one of the participants on Match Game in the 70s. Uh, an actress and comedian, she started writing mysteries uh in the well this millennium actually i think is when they started coming out and she's written 17 or 18 of them about this um small minnesota town and hannah swenson who owns a bakery and she puts recipes in there and i'm not sure if i'll ever make them or not but they all sound wonderful and the books make me really hungry um i enjoyed the first one though it's a nice cozy i mean you know light read nothing grim or overly grim. I think there was a murderer, but I mean, you know, it's not really grim, and um, I I liked it a lot. And lastly, for my nonfiction, I read "Why Beautiful People Have More Daughters" by oh Alan Miller and Satoshi Kanazawa, I believe is how you say it, um, on Audible, and it is a very accessible. When, I'm, when I say accessible, I mean understandable, a book about how genetics influence human behavior and personality. Um, it explains things from what the authors call an evolutionary psycholo- psychological point of view. Um, and I found it to be absolutely fascinating. It's like an adult question and answer book um, about why people do what they do and how can genetics, ex- does genetics have explanations for, for instance, why men prefer women who are blonde or why people, uh, prefer mates whose faces are symmetrical or why do people, um, most cultures have religions in them? Is there actually a genetic explanation for that? And some of the explanation you have to take with a grain of salt, but a lot of it is really fascinating. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It was an audible daily deal a while ago that I happened to purchase. Um, and I'm glad that I did. So that's all for me. Okay. At long last. Um, so I also, that we start, we both did this audible reading month and, um, cause some friends of ours are doing it and it's the, what you're supposed to do is read books you already have in your audible library. And, and what I have done is like, purchased new books <laughs> um in fact I ran out of credits and I, I bought three credits and then the next day the two credits that I would normally get from my audible plan came and so now I'm back to having five again and I'm like I really could have just waited and not spent that 34 dollars but <laughs> at least I could buy more books now um so 
I also kind of um, fell off the wagon a little bit because um, I got sick uh, earlier in the month and I wanted something cozy and light and um, not particularly hard to read while I was lying in bed, you know, not sleeping. Um, so I read uh, At Home in Mitford by Jan Karen, which I got on Bard, um, which is the first of the, the Mitford books. And they're small town. Uh, the main character is, a, is an Episcopal priest, but they're surprisingly not very religious. I mean, they're religious, but they're not preachy. Um, and, and like coming from somebody like me that I feel like that's, that says a lot because I, my, like, I really am allergic to preaching in my, in my books. So, so trust me, they really aren't preachy. Um, and, and it's like, you know, just basically like there's, there, there are plot elements in, in the books, like stuff happens like throughout the course of the novel, but, um, you know, basically a nice little cozy story about basically decent, hardworking people being, learning some life lessons, but being nice to each other. And it was the perfect sort of book to read when I wasn't feeling well. And I, I think that, that probably I, I got the next one and I think I'll probably read it um, the next time I'm similarly sick. Is this like the Midford Wives series? It seems like I've heard about Midford from somewhere. Mm, <laughs> but I can't think I where. I don't, I mean, I think they're a pretty popular series. Um, they, there are like seven or eight of them. And then there's like a prequel series about like Father Tim's early life. But I think they're all just sort of like, you know, small town, South Carolina or North Carolina, I can't remember, one of the Carolinas. Um, and, and like, you know, this little small community. So it's sort of that, that kind of thing. I don't know. I suspect that you probably could read them, like, out of order. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, you know, it's probably one of those books where, where it would be better if you didn't. Because there's, like, you know, of course he... Like being an Episcopal priest, Father Tim can have a romance, and one sort of is starting to happen, but he's kind of afraid of commitment, and so that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was a nice, nice little cozy sort of book. Um, I've also still been reading the. I talked about the Jacqueline Lichtenberg and Jean Laura um, Sime Gen books last month. I've read several of them. I think I've read like six or seven um, and I'm on, I'm reading one of them on Bookshare right now that that's, um, it's fine. It's not, um, not my favorite in the series, but I think I read them in the order that my friend who recommended the series like liked them best and not necessarily in very chronological order. So I think the best ones have, have, I think I've read the best ones and I think I'm just like, going like for completeness <laughs> reading reading the yeah, ones that are I, left i do understand that i've done that before too with series um <laughs> which one's the one you're reading now so i know to the one it. i'm reading now is called zellerod's doom and it's sort of a direct sequel to well what happens is that um what there there is a trilogy of of three interconnected novels um the first one is house of zeor um, which is the first book she ever wrote in the series. 
And then the second book, um, like, is in the same timeline, but but my friend made me skip that and read some other ones, so then I went back to it. And the third book is kind of a direct sequel to those two. And so it basically is kind of, like, winding down some of these storylines and, and, you know... Like they all sort of they all do fit together, but but the like the trilogy was packaged as a trilogy by like a marketing department. So like it wasn't really very intentional, but it's just sort of what happened. And it's fine. It's just that like she like the author has made some choices that I find a little irritating. Like um like there was some there like one character from the first book was unnecessarily killed off in book three so that that another character could have a romance plot line and I find that I was like why did you have to do that like just that wasn't necessary um but it's but it's it's like and I'm enjoying the series so this is just like it's one it's like it's not my favorite but it's still it's still pretty good like eh you know what I mean like I don't, I don't love it, but... Yeah, I do. You know, I'll finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I read uh, my, my nonfiction book um, was one that I also read. Like, it, there's, it's on Bard, but I, I bought the Audible copy because I really prefer... Um, it's by Sarah Vowell. The book is called Unfamiliar Fishes. And it's about, and I like Sarah Vowell's books because she reads them herself, but she also like the audible versions, like has guest star guest narrators that read like random quotes from historical people. (laughs) And um, like, this is about Hawaii and how it basically got um, like became an American state, basically like some missionaries came in and, and, you know, uh, there was, it was the right time kind of in, in the country's history and, and they came in and t- <laughs> took over and basically forced their Western ideals on these people. Um, and I didn't know that apparently there is a movement in Hawaii even now, like that they would like to become an independent nation. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and, and like what I like about Sarah Vowell's books is that she, she like, writes very accessibly about history but it also is kind of like she she puts in these little inserts about like what she what she thinks of the things that she's finding out so it's mm-hmm. kind of like it like it's very much kind of has this feel of like oh look at this neat fact that I learned and it's very engaging I think sometimes that can be really like kind of problematic but yeah, I, I, I like her style mm-hmm. um and then let's see I haven't, I feel like I haven't read a whole lot. Um, right now I'm reading, um, in addition to the Zellerod's Doom, I'm, I'm on, on audio, I'm reading, uh, No Rest for the Wicked by Cressley Cole, which is the, the second full length novel in her, um, Immortals After Dark series, which is Paranormal Romance. And, um, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed those books. I, I'd read the first one. I've read it a couple of times, actually, and it was fine, but, like, you know, I'd, I'd always meant to go on and then just never had, and then I was looking for something to read yesterday, and was like, oh, I do have this, <laughs> and I I started it, and, and um, it's uh, basically the, the premise is that um, this Valkyrie, who uh, their, their race, apparently, in the setting, like, 
um, their whole thing is that they kill vampires, and and this particular Valkyrie, Katarin the Cold-Hearted, um, has has been blessed or cursed, depending on how you like to think of it, with not feeling any emotions. And then she runs across this vampire in a dilapidated castle, and he he's like suicidal, so she can't kill him. And then, like, they both realize that they're fated mates, and now they're going <sighs> to do the whole thing for the rest of the book, where they're like, no, we, you know, like, we can't be fated mates, or whatever, you know. But then also, like, you know, this this could be really cheesy, and it is, it's totally cheesy, but then, like, she's competing in this, uh, what, like, basically this um, immortal creature's version of the amazing race. <laughs> um, so, and he's gonna, you know, obviously uh compete with her um so so it'll be like like cheesy action adventure swashbuckling and and romance and i'm really i'm about two hours into it so far uh i feel like i'll probably knock it out by the end of today um and i really like the narrator robert petkoff is his is his name and i don't know if he reads anything else besides these these cheesy paranormal romance but he <laughs> like just i he has a really really good um like very pleasant mm-hmm. listening voice and and like he he reads them very earnestly which is <laughs> more than we've said about some people who read yeah. cheesy paranormal romances yeah exactly so, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Okay. Well, all these books make me think of book festivals. And to sort of segue very badly into our news, um, there are a number of festivals uh, going on right now. Band Books Week actually started today, and it is a celebration of the freedom to read banned books, not the celebration of banning books. <laughs> which yes. I sort of get confused about, but hey, um, the American Library Association has this every year, and basically it's a, um, they focus on a particular genre. This year it happens to be cartoons and comics, and um, it's, you can find out more about it by going to ala.org, and um, they have lists of books that have been banned over the years, um, and I don't know, all kinds of things. I really don't know much about what happens in this festival um, or exactly what they do, but um, they focus on each year a particular genre. And you can look at the website and find out the authors of books that have been banned, uh, including like Kurt Vonnegut and Mark Twain and a bunch of really famous people. So um, I encourage you to, to check that out. And uh, yeah, it's it's really hopefully interesting. The podcast will come out during Band Books Week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it it should, it should is the operative word there. Um, also in festivals, the um, Jane Austen Festival happens every year in the UK, and apparently in this festival, you're supposed to dress up in Regency costumes and walk around the city of Bath. It's one of the things that goes on. Uh, Bath was where Jane Austen lived for a good portion of her life, and so they feel like it's important to celebrate this. And there are Jane Austen festivals all over the world, um, but this year, the where you dress up in Regency costumes, I guess, but this year, the one in Bath uh, held the record, the Guinness Book of World Records, for the most people 
to dress up in Regency costume at one time and walk around for at least five minutes in all the regalia. Now, I'm not sure what all the regalia is because really the article didn't say, but I know that, you know, women wore petticoats and flounces and bustles and corsets and all kinds of things. Uh, And men's outfits were pretty elaborate too. The record was 409 people, and this year they made it all the way up to 500 people to do this all at once. So that's a little uh, note of whimsy there. And um, let's see, what else did we have for festivals? Oh yes, there is a festival in Portland, Oregon every year called Wordstock, um, celebrating Um, good literature, I guess, Um, and also trying to encourage young people to read. So people under the age of 18 get into this festival for free. And uh, next year, it's going to have new sponsors. um, And a lot of new things are, I guess, going on. So if you want to check out Wordstock in November of 2015, uh, head on over to Portland and find out what it's all about. I think this year Indeed. they already had it. <laughs> um. Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Aaron. And also, the National Book Awards are slated to come out in November. Speaking of November, um, they've already put out the fiction list. The only person I know of on the fiction long list is Thomas Dore, with All the Light We Cannot See, which I still haven't read yet. Um, The other people, I didn't recognize. That may be a consequence of Bard being slightly behind the times and me not keeping up on what new and cool books are coming out. Um, So I didn't recognize a lot of the other authors. But um, those awards come out in November, and you can check out the fiction list uh, in the article that we post in the show notes. I didn't recognize very... All the light we cannot see has been pretty pretty popular but yeah i'd never seem to yeah and and the other people i was like who huh what um so i i that was the only one i really got um uh penguin books is partnering with the cartoon network and they are launching a an imprint um next summer i do believe uh this is not only for television like books based on television shows from the cartoon network which i guess is going to happen but also other graphic novels are going to be under this the auspices of this penguin cartoon imprint as well that's a strange match that is a really strange match but i guess penguin has a children's imprint so cartoons it does make sense you know yeah it's kind of an offshoot of that I don't even know what's on the Cartoon Network anymore. I don't either. (laughs) I used to know, and then it was like, all the shows got like really weird and stuff I didn't, don't even know. They're all very visual, so it's very hard to... Yeah, it's very hard to get interested. Keep up with, yeah. Um, I think the only thing I ever watched on Cartoon Network was a few years ago was Viva Pinata, because it was just so funny. But, um... (laughs) 
Maybe they will have Viva Pinata. Yeah, maybe they'll have Viva Pinata books. I don't think it's out anymore. It was only out for like a season and a half or something, but um, it was hysterical. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not a real Cartoon Network fan, so I can't say. But apparently, I guess the match makes a sort of sense, and we'll see what they come up with. Um, yeah. Were there any other news stories that you wanted to put um, into the mix here? I think that's about it. Uh I did see an article somewhere and I, I was just thinking about it, but like, um, I'll have to find it again. It was on Twitter. So who knows where it'll turn up. But so there was an article, somebody tweeted about how millennials, um, are reading actually a lot more than people thought that they would be, that they're actually a pretty, as a generation, um, they're, they're pretty, pretty big readers. What, what kinds um, of things are they reading? Did the article say, do you remember? I, I don't remember. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that like mostly it's a lot of digital content. Um, millennials, of course, being like the generation that's coming up in their in their twenties now. I think that I technically am on the very edge of being being a millennial because I was born in 1982, and I think the cutoff was like 1982, um, like 9/11, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like the, the quote unquote digital natives, um, are apparently reading. Well, that's good because, um, a lot of, you know, schools and teachers are concerned about the fact that kids aren't reading as much as they thought. So maybe it's something that people get involved in when they get a little bit older, reading more. I think so. It's been like to go off on a tangent. Um, one of the things I did this last month was go home and see my family, mm-hmm. and um, we did. Uh, my my niece is is living with with uh, my brother and my parents right now, and she's nine, and uh, they're trying to get her into reading. And I think that like I like I think it's it's hard I think I mean I think that it's not every time I see these articles I, I feel like or, or you know where they're talking about being afraid people aren't going to read I always feel like it's a bit of a scare tactic like yeah um like people say that but they're like they're always going to be readers um and but it's just interesting that that um like I think there's so much other stuff to stimulate kids and like you know, I think um, books have to kind of get like past that, and I think we're—I think we'll turn turn my niece into a reader yet, or at least um, maybe into an audiobook listener. Because what we did was every night at bedtime, um, my my brother's been reading to her, and they they're going through the Harry Potter books, and so um, they're on the second one. And the Harry Potter books are so much fun to read out loud. Hmm. They, I mean, that's like my sister. One one night, she and I, or, or she she did the reading, and then one night I did, and that was the thing I really noticed is that that they're just like you can do all the voices and you know that's really fun. Yeah, I'm sure it would be fun. I never tried to read them out loud, but yeah, it does sound like it would be a really fun thing because I mean, wow. I ought to try that sometime, although I don't know who I'd read it to, but that would be, right. that'd be really fun. <laughs> um, okay, then. Shall we talk about our Let's homework? Talk about our homework. Being um, invisible. Read, yeah. 
Invisible by Thomas Berger, or as voiceover said when I put it on Goodreads, Thomas Berger. That was hysterical. <laughs> I was like, who? Yeah, it, it, it said that to me when I downloaded it, and I was reading it on my phone in the Bard app, and it was like, Thomas Berger? Ooh, how hoity-toity. <laughs> um, but yes, I picked this book, and I'm very upset with myself. It, it sounded like it would be funny, but what do I know? <laughs> Sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether this was like guy humor or or what. It, it, I don't even think it was guy <laughs> humor as much as like it was snotty intellectual hipster humor. Yeah, like I, I think so too. Was, I think also a lot of it was fairly dated. Um, and it like you know it's written in the eighties and it kind of has the like a bit of a an 80s sensibility to it Mm -hmm. um so the premise is that this guy who is kind of a kind of a like schmuck he he (laughs) He really is he he like he's just this like sort of dorky dude whose wife um has has left him and he can't get past that and his his company is like you know there are problems at work and then like he discovers that he has this ability to turn invisible and wacky hijinks ensue and it's like except that they're the hijinks are aren't particularly wacky like they're i mean every time every time he turns invisible like something happens and it and like he just proves to be even more of a dork <laughs> and then there are like these women that are ran- that like throw themselves at him and are randomly obsessed with him for no apparent no reason. reason. I just I'm like, why would you be obsessed with him? It, there's no reason. But there are these two women who who just throw themselves at him out of the blue. It's like, huh? How and did he can't this get away from them. No, just, like like and the thing the thing that got me was that like like every sex scene in that book was so awkward because it was like he really didn't want to be doing this, but oh look, oops, there he is. And and he can't say no to it. He just he, can't he just say does no. it. Like, no, no, no. Like, dude, grow a pair. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that hard. Just say you don't want to and just go away. But he somehow can't. And and I thought even the problems at work were a little bit. I mean, I guess this is sort of highlighting society's ridiculousness. I guess that's what this book is supposed to be about. I don't know. I mean, even the problems at work were a little bit. It's like, can't you just assert yourself? If you just asserted yourself a little bit, even at work, things wouldn't work out in such terrible ways for you. Yeah. I mean, it's like he couldn't assert himself until he had become invisible for a while. And then he gained enough confidence somehow to become a little more assertive in his life. But at the same time, his life didn't seem to get any better. No. And the end of the book, someone finally uh, believes him that he that he's invisible that he can become invisible. But the thing was he never told anybody he was invisible. Like he he yeah. just like he finally tells this other woman who I don't really know what like makes her any any more different from all these other horrible people except that she's there. <laughs> like yeah. that he can become invisible and then she like she believes him and then like then, like, everything's happy and okay, and it was just, it was dumb. Yeah, it just sort of ended there, and I'm kind of like, um, this really didn't feel like an ending. It just felt 
Like the author didn't have any more to say and he ran out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, it, so. It was just, I think it was trying too hard to be too smart and it just wasn't going to ever succeed. Um, yeah. It was, I read it. I read it in one sitting with frequent breaks to complain about like what a horrible, t- what a horrible book I was reading on Twitter, um, <laughs> and and which makes which always makes me feel bad when it's a book horror yeah. book that I do that. I with. know. I'm like, oh, Aaron, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I I felt bad too because I was the one who picked it, and I'm just sitting here falling asleep towards the end of it because I am so <sighs> bored. I'm like, yeah, and it yeah. was like eight forty five, nine o'clock at night, and I had had a long day. And everything, and I was just like, "This is." I am so bored, and the narrator even sounded bored. Of course, he always sort yeah, of sounds a little bored, but he, does. he sounded super bored with this one. And um, it was like everyone seems bored. Even the people in the book aren't very like. No one is likable, really. No one, and the and, thing, is, the thing that did like, you know, when 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 I wasn't bored, I was angry because like there was just this palpable hatred of of women, particularly that like. It just kind of oozed from every page. And it just, like, that that bothered me. And then there was also this, like, this, like, weird little, like, thread of homophobia in there, too. Like, you know, yes. oh, look at this guy who's queer. Oh, wait, he's not. <laughs> but he could be. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, I was very bothered by that, too. He, he really yeah. demeaned all the women in the book. Even his ex-wife, who had gotten a job and gotten a career the way he acted toward her, it was like... Like, not even calling not her by even, her name. No. She's like, I hated being called babe, but he never calls her her actual name. Yeah, he never does. It's like, being invisible never really... I mean, I guess it was supposed to change him and make him a better person. I don't know, but it never does. Maybe that's the point. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Grr. Anyway, none of us <laughs> liked it. Um, or should I say ARG, since Talk Like a Pirate Day was a couple days ago. <laughs> it was a couple days ago, yeah. It passed me by, because I always think it's in October, but it's not. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it, it was definitely not a, a good one, and I don't know that I'm going to read any other books by this author, Thomas yeah, Berger. Yeah, pretty sure, pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, so, with that in mind, why don't we... Talk about our homework for next month. So our homework for next month, every year in October, we, we've we been, like, for the past two years, we've read Stephen King books. And then last year we read Under the Dome, and, and we both hated that so much that we decided not to do that this year. Um, not to we, read Stephen King books. We should clarify, right. we're, we did not contemplate rereading Under the Dome. No, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no. That, that one time was really enough for that. Um, but we did decide to read... Um, something by Joe Hill and we're reading his latest, which is called Nose Nose for A Two. And that's spelled N O S for A two. I guess it's supposed to be pronounced N O S for A two because it's a license plate number. Um, right. And we should clarify also that the reason we're reading Joe Hill is because he's Stephen King's son. And we, so we wanted to compare nice yeah. to See what because no, neither of us have ever read any of Joe Hill's books, and he's read written. He's quite written a few. quite a few. I've read a short story that he and Stephen King co-authored together. It was really good. 
Um, I don't remember the name of it anymore. It was in a magazine I was reading uh, a while ago. or in a No, no, it was a book of ghost stories. It was a short story collection. Um, and it was really, really good. But I've never read anything that Joe Hill has written personally. Um, and this is a quite substantial book. It's about 22 hours in audio. Um, and um, you can download it from Bard and I believe Audible and probably Bookshare. Oh, so yeah, it's easily. available, and of course, Amazon. And um, we will put the Amazon link in there, as always, um, for you to download it. And hopefully, it's going to be better than Under the Dome. <laughs> yeah, because um, this yeah. time I picked it, so... <laughs> can't do this, like, you know, we, several months of not good books. <laughs> yeah, I know. We can't keep this uh, not good books tradition running. But it sounds like it's going to be very creepy, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too. Especially for the creep factor. Yes. <laughs> Halloween and all. Um, so the next time we are recording should be around Halloween time, actually. It should. Because, yeah, in about four it, or five that's weeks, how that's how it, how it usually pans, a- yeah. pans out. So um, we will be back with you in late October, early November. Um, meanwhile, we should probably tell folks how to get in touch with us. The podcast can be reached by going to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are book hoarders on Twitter, and bhapodcast.com is the website. And we would love and comments of any kind. We would, um, especially listener mail, because all we got this last month was spam. Yeah, it was very distressing. Um, and, and some book, and some author oh, yeah. decided. <laughs> some author decided to spam us with uh, telling us about her next book. Which has a great name, by the way. Um, dare I say it? Flobulous. <laughs> Flobulous. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, so, that was awesome. That, what, whatever your name was, there we 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 did some some marketing for you. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, not planning to read the book, but great title. Uh, anyway, so. Yeah, so um, we would love uh, listener mail or, or tweets, of course. And um, if you want to follow me on Twitter personally, it's Aaron Edgar on Twitter. And I'm at Bardsong on Twitter. Woohoo! Um, and if you want to check out Shannon's blog, you can go to flightintofantasy.com. And no, don't don't mind the cobwebs. I need to actually write a post. It's been several months. Whoops. <laughs> Um, and Aaron is uh, does an internet radio show called The Melting Pot, uh, which is on the Phoenix, the dash Phoenix dot net. Dot net Sunday nights. Seven to ten. Um, six to six to nine six in, to the nine. U- in the U.S. Eastern. It used to be seven to ten on that other station. Yeah. <laughs> and even I sometimes get the times mixed up. Um, yeah, so 6 to 9 East Coast, 11 p.m. in the UK is when it starts. Um, so feel free to check that out if you wish. And um, at this point, I think we've wound down. So I think so, too. We'll simply say bye-bye. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.